Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Focus on Albany and the spotlight on state government. My guest is my friend Zach Williams, and Zach is here to talk about uh, Governor Cuomo's budget uh, that was presented last week. So, Zach, you know, there's a... Uh, Six million dollar, right? Uh, Six million dollar, yeah. Any surprises? Well, I, you know, we were we already had the state of the state address earlier in the month, so we're really just looking for details of the budget. The governor um, did come up present a plan of sorts for to close that six billion dollar projected deficit. About two point five of it, he wants to make up by reconvening a Medicaid redesign team similar to what he had in the first term, it would be tasked with finding $2.5 billion in savings um, before the state budget. And I think a lot of uh, fiscal watchdogs were kind of making sure that there would be a mandate for it to get it, to get it studied then in time for the, um, before the budget deadline on April 1st. So that was a really big one. Um, you know, I think beyond that, where they really made up a lot of space was about $1.8 billion in all sorts of cuts, but most of, well, not cuts, but cuts on future um, future spending increases, how they spun it. But that's where you get into a lot of what's affecting people's daily lives, um, you know, local assistance programs, social services, mental health services um, got less than the increases that people would have expected. So... We're, you know, finally we got to see some things written down on paper, and people are still going through really finding out what this all means, uh, what the, you know, actual details are of uh, all these different, uh, you know, um, you know, the six billion dollar uh, spending uh, decrease. So, what do you think the uh, major budget cuts are going to be? Um, I beg your pardon. The major budget cuts. Where do you well, see I, that? Uh, yeah. Yeah, so I think, um, you know, the biggest thing is going to be this Medicaid, um, you know, plan. What, what they're presenting it as is that, you know, they want local governments to take the lead and basically assume any Medicaid spending that goes above a 3% increase. But the big question mark is what this Medicaid redesign team is going to do. That's $2.5 billion. A lot of it will probably come out of long-term care, you know, and also hospital reimbursement rates. So that could really affect a lot of your listeners' daily lives, depending on what sort of services they get. You know, I would point out that a lot of Medicaid is an entitlement program, so they can't really cut anything because they are required by law to provide it to people. Anybody that qualifies for Medicaid, you know, gets a certain baseline of services. So that's a big question mark. You know, there's a lot of smaller, um, some people might call them cuts, the governor's people would call them 
you know, decreases and spending increases that they were initially, um, you know, projecting. You know, another big thing to keep an eye on is education, you know, along with uh, Medicaid spending, it's the biggest thing in the budget. You know, the governor is trying to take a lot of various spending programs and lump them into one, you know, the one big one for local aid called Foundation Aid. You know, there's all sorts of details on how that might affect individual school districts. You know, but Mm -hmm. I think, you know, the overall picture is um, whether it's uh, mental health services or long-term care or many other things that it's just not going to get as big of an increase this year as people might have hoped for um, a year ago. So uh, the governor has done a lot of um, budget talks. I think maybe what, like 10, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So every year, does he come to the to the podium with a deficit, or um, is this uh, worse than of previous years? Well, the biggest deficit he ever had to face was that first year in office when I believe there was a ten billion dollar deficit, and he planned to close it then, much in the same way he wants to do it now, um, especially through a Medicaid redesign team. It would be a bunch of experts tasked with coming up with a plan on how to limit these increases in Medicaid that the governor has, has largely blamed on increases in long-term care and in um, and in uh, things like um, the minimum wage that went up to $15 in a lot of areas of the state. You know, there is a, a little bit of a misconception out there that the reason why Medicaid spending has grown so much, uh, six, seven, eight percent a year, is because more people are getting health insurance. But that's not really where the biggest growth has come from. The biggest growth has come, like I said, you know, from long-term care, um, people who have, you know, either pay a family member or someone else to take care of them at home, as well as the increase in some of the, um, you know, the actual um, minimum wage for a lot of the people that, you know, deliver health care. So that's where a lot of, um, you know, the same savings uh, might be found to make up this $2.5 billion. But other than the Medicaid spending, you know, it's fairly typical for spending projections to outrun revenues um, at this point in the year. Every year there's, you know, last year there was, um, I think, a $1.8 billion unexpected shortfall. That was actually in um, February or March. So there's nothing unusual to have a little bit of um, fiscal strain. But this one was certainly um, among the biggest foremost states in nine, ten years in office now. I've been reading that uh, the governor wants to close a number of prisons, and I find that very interesting because each other built quite a number of prisons. So will the closing of uh, of the prisons um, do a lot towards balancing the budget? I think it, it's one of those, you know, that $1.8 billion comes from a variety of things. Closing up state prisons is one of them. I think, um, objectively speaking, it's a lot of money. I don't have the number right on top of my head, but the budget does give him a lot of authority to close additional prisons. And, uh-huh. you know, it's, it's certainly a lot of money. I wouldn't say it's in the realm of, you know, billions of dollars that need to be saved overall. But um, it certainly is a substantial amount of money, and more importantly, for some of those local communities, um, 
you know, closing a prison and all the economic activity it brings to some of these upstate areas could really, um, you know, affect affect them. So, you know, it comes down to the governor to really decide who's going to lose um, and who's going to, you know, continue to have a, a prison in their community, which, um, you know, can be, can offer a lot of economic stimulus for, for communities. The, the Times Union did an overview of a number of issues that was mentioned by Cuomo in his address. So um, one of them was marijuana legalization. Uh, what do you think about that? So the governor is uh, proposing once again to legalize recreational marijuana. I think overall the proposal was very similar to what he had last year. Big difference between what the governor wants and legislature wants is comes down to the money. They were predicting about $300 million in revenues once the whole system gets up and running, which will probably take a year or two to do. And, you know, the governor wants to control it. The legislature wants to control where that money goes. Um, there's just that matter of who actually has the authority. And then a lot of activists, a lot of lawmakers want that money specifically driven to a few different causes, not least um, social justice programs to kind of, um, you know, help the communities most affected by the war on drugs, as well as opioid um, uh, funding, you know, to fight the opioid epidemic across the state and educational programs. I think the governor probably is looking for more of, um, you know, to put it into the general fund or put it in a way that he can kind of determine from year to year, which, you know, along with all the other revenues that the state has. It was uh, an interesting uh, proposal, too, along with that, was to have a, a cannabis research institute at one of the um, SUNY campuses. And that actually would be interesting, too, because, you know, because of the Schedule One status of marijuana, which is probably cocaine and heroin and all, the, all these other drugs, no, no medical value, that has, you know, led to uh, a lot of ignorance about just exactly how cannabis affects people's health, young people's health. Um, even the economy. So that was something that didn't get as big of a, you know, as much attention and certainly something that um, is not as controversial as the proposal itself, but it could pay dividends down the road and just how we better understand the effect that the legalization of cannabis could have. One last thing I should say about it too is the governor really wants the state to legalize recreational marijuana in tandem with other states like Connecticut Pennsylvania and New Jersey, so that they all have similar schemes to avoid uh, what he would call a race to the bottom, where maybe one state or the other tries to enact a legalized marijuana program that would undercut the neighboring state. They want to kind of do it all at the same um, time, more or less, with the same type of rules, so that an even playing field that can avoid that, just that type of competition. You know, the, overall, the effort to legalize marijuana got a little bit of a boost. Um, Pete Harcum, a Democrat from Westchester County, did come out and express his support for the bill that is proposed by Liz Kruger, a Manhattan Democrat who's really led efforts in that chamber. So whether it ends up being the governor's um, proposal or the lawmaker's proposal, it looks like the momentum is continuing to grow to, so to speak, to legalize recreational marijuana this year, but remains to see, be seen if we'll do it in the budget or later in the session. What about the environment? The environment, uh, you know, we got further details. The governor wants a $3 billion bond to restore Mother Nature Act. 
which would really focus on rebuilding habitats in you know upstate, um, downstate, wetland, um, all sorts of stuff. That that would need to be approved by the legislature, and then it would go on the ballot later in the year, and voters would have to approve it. Um, other than that, there were some smaller environmental proposals, um, a $300 million idea to restore the Erie Canal, which would include some environmental restorations as well as economic and development programs upstate. So lots of little things in the budget. Um, I think the marquee item on that front, though, has really been that environmental bond. So do you think uh, there's going to be a lot of people opposed to uh a bond this coming November? Well, I wouldn't be surprised if it does have its opponent, but, you know, the way that the Cuomo administration is, you know, for it is that you've caused much environmental damage over the years. This is something that would provide a funding stream at a difficult fiscal time and would, you know, require, uh, you know, that would pay dividends for decades to come and would not have to be all repaid all at once. It is true the state hasn't had an environmental bond in some years, so they've you know they've hardly gone back to this um, you know um, time and time again. Maybe there is a, it seems like there is enough space in the state's debt load to support um, you know payments of a three billion dollar bond. But it really, will come down to voters. We'll see what the Republicans say, but thus far it's been pretty well received, all uh, considering. Okay, but there's also going. Uh... There's also mention of transportation. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, I think, um, you know, the one thing that's, that's still got to be determined is the State Department for Transportation's five-year plan. That could um, include a lot of money for local bridges and roads. There's a lot of smaller um, proposals. You know, one that might be interesting uh, both from a political standpoint and maybe even a futuristic standpoint is this proposal for a blue ribbon panel to, you know, um, look at how to build a high-speed railway that would go from New York City to Albany to Western New York. A lot of states have tried to build something like that, notably California, which uh, ended up spending billions of dollars and just getting a short stretch um, in the uh, Central Valley that might actually get built. Um, So that was a big one. You know, the governor's also put a lot of proposals on to promote the adoption of electric vehicles. A lot of that would be supported um, by the New York Power Authority and NYSERDA, the New York State Energy Research uh, Development Authority. So there was um, a lot for transportation. A lot of it's kind of taken the longer view, um, especially in, you know, promoting green energy, um, electric vehicles, and as I mentioned before, even this uh, redevelopment of the Erie Canal. Education. Well, the war continues over education. Um, you know, the governor put forward this $800 million increase for foundation aid and really wanted people to focus that on, you know, their attention on that. That's a lot less than the $2 billion region, so a lot of advocates have asked for you know, but a lot of money still nonetheless at a time when, you know, a lot of spending elsewhere is space limits. I think an important thing to watch, though, is how the governors, you know, called for the funding formula, like lawmakers, to be reconfigured. But 
there might even be, dare I say, a little bit of distraction going on. You know, he's he's put forward a lot of the same proposals that he did last year to to consolidate certain expense-based aid programs. These are like when a, when a local school district buys a bus or computers and then kind of brings their receipt, so to speak, to the state government, which is then pays them back. He wants to roll all of that into foundation aid funding, which could mean that, you know, in later years, those, that type of funding, again, for, you know, capital funding or for, um, you know, school buses, computers, whatever it is, might kind of fall, get less consideration because, you know, when we're talking about foundation aid, we're talking more about paying teachers, you know, the actual classroom learning expenses and, you know, might just be a mask to decrease, you know, funding overall. Bottom line, though, is uh, lawmakers are going to want a lot more funding. This is kind of the annual ritual when the governor puts forward a number, lawmakers say much more, and they kind of find somewhere in the middle. And there's little reason to think they're not going to do that again this year. Education is still, is there still a big push for charter schools? Well, there was, you know, they, there is a statewide cap that, um, I don't believe they've met yet, but there is not a lot of space, especially in New York City, where the cap has been met. Um, Politico did report on an interesting maneuver. I don't know the full details, but it would basically allow charter schools to open up a few more in New York City. So, you know, it's tough times for charter schools nonetheless, um, but it looks like the governor, who is their biggest, you know, advocate in power in Albany, um, mm-hmm. is creating a little bit of space to open a few more to placate their concerns, but he did not aggressively propose a lifting of the cap, for example, which would be met with a lot of opposition from, you know, uh, state Senate Democrats and Democrats in the assembly as well. Before the uh, IBC got uh, voted out of existence, was there more of a push in the state Senate for charter schools? Well, I think charter schools have their, you know, big allies not only in the governor but in um, with the Senate Republicans, who you know have been much more receptive to charter schools than Democrats, to say the least. So, you know, I'd, I'd have to go by the IDC numbers one by one. Some of them were probably more open to charter schools than others because they all kind of uh-huh. that that alternative conference for their own reasons. Um, However, you know, having the Democrats take over the state Senate and showing their known uh, critic, skeptic of charter schools, a big, you know, ally of, um, you know, advocates that want more foundation aid for regular public schools, you know, is not looking to do a lot of favors for the charter school movement. So still tough times for them, but it looks like they got at least got a little bit from the governor this time around. So the two... Um Two issues that were mentioned in the Times Union is public health and public safety. You know, public safety, um, you know, sometimes the governor says the most by saying the least, and, you know, bail reform was something that he mentioned um, a little bit in passing. Basically, it almost sounded like he was looking for a reset for, you know, for the advocates to his left to be willing to consider some changes. For those to the right who have been complaining since these new criminal justice reforms took effect January 1st to take a deep breath and let the reforms take their course, 
you know, but it looks like the governor, one way or another, probably mostly behind the scenes, will be pushing for a little bit of um, changes to the new cash bail limits, probably add a few different types of criminal offenses to to the, um, you know, to the list of uh, criminal offenses that are eligible for cash bail. Another interesting thing that he did was set up a $2 million fund that would help local district attorneys, um, you know, um, comply with the new discovery reform laws, basically through technological assistance. What's interesting about it is he would get this money by raiding a, a fund that the district attorney has. He's uh, currently financed in battle for totally different political reasons and collects a lot of money from legal settlements with you know, some of the biggest banks and biggest corporations um, in the world because his jurisdiction includes you know, Wall Street. And the governor is proposing to permanently require the Manhattan District Attorney to send $2 million per year to the state to spread around to other district attorneys for technological assistance, for discovery reform. Discovery, of course, is when you turn over the evidence um, from a prosecutor to the defense. It used to only be required that the prosecutors do that by the day of trial. Now they got to do it within 15 days of arraignment. Um, big change that really tilts the scales more in favor, you know, further, you know, away from the prosecutors and towards the defense. Critics said the new criminal justice reform say it's done that too much. Advocates say that it perhaps hasn't done it enough. But, um, you know, one big complaint was that, you know, that there wasn't additional funding to go to district attorneys to comply with the new law, $2 million isn't um, by a long stretch what they were calling for, but it is a little bit. So uh, basically all eyes were on the governor this week. Was there any news coming out of either the assembly or the Senate? I would say, you know, again, the biggest issue continues to be some of the maneuvering around bail reform. You know, the Long Island suburban senators are still, um, Democratic senators are still not fully on board with that. Some of them are calling, you know, outright for changes. I think in terms of other, you know, legislation that passed both House, you know, that passed the, you know, either House this week, it was pretty slow. A few uh, election reforms um, here and there. A few smaller things, um, I, you know, lawmakers are still getting a lot of chapter amendments through the chambers. Those are the changes that they promised to pass to follow up on legislation that the governor signed. Basically, a uh, gentleman's agreement to agree to, uh, you know, little tweaks to the law. So a lot of that still getting attention. We haven't seen, you know, the blockbuster bills um, go through the Senate or the Assembly this year. Um, at nearly the rate or nearly the volume that they were last year when uh, it was the first year of Democratic control of both chambers. The uh, legislators are going to leave like three weeks early because this is going to be an election year. Do you see a lot of people not choosing to run again? you think there will be a big turnover next year? Well, a new, a new dynamic in the political scene is this consolidation of the federal and state primaries. They used to be on separate days, which means that a state lawmaker could run for re-election first and then run for federal office like Congress um, later on. Now they got to choose which one they want to do because it can't be on the budget 
or be on the ballot for a federal seat position at the same time. So that's cost um, a couple Republicans, caused a couple of Republicans in Western New York, like Robert Ort and Chris Jacobs, two senators, to not run for re-election because they want to go for that congressional seat that used to be held by Chris Collins, who, of course, is was convicted of insider trading um, charges. Uh, uh, let's see, another eight Republican senators have also announced they're not running for re-election. So Republicans are kind of scrambling for candidates, scrambling to make sure that they can compete as hard as they you know, want to against the Democrats who are really looking to make big gains. On the Democratic side, there's been a few lawmakers here and there that have said they wouldn't be running for re-election, mostly, you know, long-term incumbents, and um, or those like um, David Buckwald in, in Westchester County, um, David Carlucci in the state senator right. of, of Rockland County, who are both competing for that congressional seat held by Anita Lowey. So mm-hmm. there'll definitely be a lot of new faces, but right now it's the Republicans who really got to find um, as many candidates as possible to, you know, run. They, you know, lost eight seats last time around. Now they got to, you know, find new candidates for 10 other seats. Um, it's going to be tough. So David Carlucci, if he runs for the um, for Congress and wins, then Diane Savino will be the last person standing from the IDC. Yeah, no matter what, you know, Carlucci, because he's running for Congress, um, unless he drops out of the race really soon, which uh, there's been no indication he seems to be running full out and pretty optimistically for that congressional seat. And, yep, that would mean that Diane Savino, who has confirmed that she would run, that she'll run for re-election in 2020, is going to be the last uh, remaining IDC member. I think it's uh, fairly safe to say that after 2020, um, IDC will just become uh, more and more a distant memory, especially if if Democrats continue to make gains and expand that majority they got in the Senate. Right. So uh, give a little plug for yourself, you know, at City and State. Well, I covered the legislature for city and state. We're the only magazine that's solely focused on New York City and New York State politics. Check us out at cityandstateny.com, and you can keep up with what I'm doing and what's going on at the Capitol at Zach Reports on Twitter. That's D-A-C-H, like Zachary Reports, Zach Reports on Twitter. So I, I know that there's city and state magazines up here in Albany. Is city and state... Uh, uh, distributed statewide where somebody, let's say on, on Long Island or in Buffalo, can handily pick up a copy? Well, it's in most state, um, most state government buildings, and you can subscribe to our print edition at cityandstateny.com. And we certainly do paid subscriptions, and we also uh, do news online at, at uh, City and State NY. So can reach us in all sorts of ways. So next week we will go back to talking about the legislature and the governor. So you have been listening to Zach Williams. This is uh, focused on Albany Spotlight on the state government. And if you like this show, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, download on your smartphone, subscribe to iTunes. If you have a comment about this show, hashtag focus on Albany. 
Zach, have a great week. Maybe we'll run into each other in the Capitol, and I look forward to speaking with you next weekend. Thank you. Thanks. Have a great week, and thank you, everybody, for listening. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.